Father, I just thank you for this opportunity we have together. And Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. And we do continue to look to you now to help us as we examine your word. You're the one that teaches us, guides us, leads us, gives us the revelation that we need of your word and the spiritual understanding with all wisdom so that we can have that walk with you and fulfill everything that you've called us to do and please you in every way and increase in our knowledge today of you. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So as a text, uh, I'll be using Ephesians chapter 4 and uh, verse 8 and 11 is what we'll read right now. Then, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he let captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. And we see these gifts in, in verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, as I was thinking about this, and I, you know, pastor had mentioned, uh, I used to pastor local congregations when I first graduated from Bible school back in 1975. And, uh, and uh, the first year I pastored full-time, second year I traveled, and then the next four years I traveled full-time and pastored churches. And uh, starting out with uh, starting a church from scratch. The first church was an existing church of 12 people. And uh, after I left that church, uh, I found it, it, it finally folded. Well, I wasn't paying much attention to church government in those days. <laughs> but I, I found out later that I was the seventh pastor in seven years, you know. But I was, it, I was just glad I had the opportunity to practice, <laughs> you know. So, and that's what I had believed for when I, I accepted the call that God had in my life. I was just believing for a small church to start with, you know. And I didn't have a clue what I was doing. It's sad. But anyway, those people had a special reward. But, <laughs> but we, we did go from 12 people to 82 in less than a year And when I left. And then what happened, 44 of those 82 or 84 ended up going to Ramah after the church folded. So that was pretty good. And then the next four years, then the, uh, the third year, we took a, over a prayer, a prayer group, wanted us to help them turn into a church. And then we were with them a little over a year and found a pastor for them. And then meanwhile, we had been doing Bible studies in all these homes all around the region. And so five more of those Bible studies wanted to turn into churches. So they, this all happened at the same time. So my pastor then, for the next couple of years, we were pastoring five churches. And I had an associate help me that was from the first church. A young man came back. And so we, uh, we had a lot of fun, five churches every Sunday. And, uh, and they weren't like next door, you know. The, I'm living here, and one was the 50 miles that way, another one 40, 50 miles that way, 100 miles that way, and 60 miles that way. <laughs> and I would do three churches, and he'd do two, and next Sunday he'd do three, and I'd do two. It was, uh, it was incredible. And as they got large enough to support a pastor, then we turned them over. But now uh, my congregation has, has uh, past, your pastor has mentioned about 600. I haven't counted, but he has. And, uh, but they're scattered all over the world, you know, so that's a real challenge. And uh, so with all of that in mind, one of the things that uh, I run into constantly, and, and obviously for the, it's been, what, over 40 years now. I graduated in 75. This is what's been about 42 years now that I've been in the ministry. I didn't get born again until I was 29. And so, uh, you know, several years later, I entered the ministry. So we had to play catch up. And, uh, but I've uh, been working primarily with pastors and churches for the majority of those years. So 
You know, I'm, I, I'm, I don't say we've seen everything. I quit saying that because, dear God, the minute I say that, man, there's things that happen you never thought would ever happen, and then you're in the middle of it. But uh, anyway, we've seen some things. But, you know, one of the biggest things that I see is people finding their spot in the body of Christ. You know, I don't know. It, there's a lot of factors, of course. But uh, um, we can go to 1 Corinthians 12, and these are, it's a familiar passage, but we need to, you know, there, I don't know about you, but I've read this Bible I don't know how many times, and, and portions of it many, many times, and so after many, many times, I read it and begin to see what it's saying, you know, <laughs> and how it applies to me, and I'm sure you've all had similar experiences. But I'll come back here and um, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and you can turn there, if you will, with me. And I know your Bible school students are ready for me to rapid fire, but I'm slowing up this morning. So <laughs> I'm actually going to let you stay for a while with me <laughs> in a portion of Scripture. <clears throat> I see a sense a little bit of relief out there. Your pens are not going to get hot. <laughs> All right, are you there? <clears throat> First Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll pick it up. Uh, we won't talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but we'll jump right down to the body. And uh, it's his body, not ours. I think we need to remember that. Um, and we'll talk about that a little more later, maybe. For as the body, Jesus' body, is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So there, there really is <clears throat> only one body or one church. Men have all kinds of things like all the different denominations and ministerial groups like AFCM. Those are all, you know, formed by men. And in all of those groups, and believe it or not, even in the dead, dead denominations, uh, there are people that are born again. And praise God, I was in a dead, dead denomination when somebody led me to the Lord. So you'll find people everywhere. And so it's the born again human spirits that make up the body of Jesus Christ. That's the spiritual body. Jesus didn't come to build a physical kingdom. So we better just get over that. We're here to build that spiritual kingdom for him. And, of course, everybody that's born again is part of his body. And see, all hell breaks loose. Uh, it's his body that's in heaven. The rest is in hell. And so there's just one church as far as God's concerned. Okay? And we need to keep that in mind. And that it is his church. It's his body. It's not up to me to try to rearrange it. <laughs> and try to figure out, you know, what have you. It's just for me is to find out what my spot is and then be sure that I trust him to help me to do what he's called me to do. All right, so let's look at this. For as by one spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jews or slaves, that's not talking about water baptism. That's the baptism of regeneration. That's a big word for born again. All right? So when you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you're born again, you're regenerated, whether a Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. <clears throat> now, as I begin to read here, we'll see you know, di different members of the body. But it, it's kind of interesting when you look at human beings. We have the world, which Satan is the head of. That's, that's, another, that's a dark place. And then there's the body of Christ. But it's kind of interesting to see that even in the world, let's take, uh, I suppose, uh, where am I now? I'm in Ontario, Canada. <laughs> All right, we could just take Ontario and, and Canada, you know, 
And as you look at the nation, there's a lot of things we just are not really aware of. We're one member, if you're a citizen of Canada, you're one member of this body of people in Canada. I'm one member of the body of people in the United States. <clears throat> and just this past week, a couple of days ago, <clears throat> we're just minding my own, our own business. Uh, I don't know, about 7 o'clock at night, starting to get dark, and all of a sudden all the lights go out. <laughs> well, <laughs> just half a block away, you know, a drunk <laughs> hit, the, <laughs> hit everything and knocked out the power. <laughs> well, anyway, here we sit in the dark. And, you know, that's when you start thinking. There's a lot of people that are, that are working to produce energy. I don't even know who they are. And then here comes the power company with their truck and everything. I don't have a clue who they are. But they are members of the body of the United States as a nation, and they have a part to play to get that electricity to me. And then if you think about it, I don't know who in the world baked my bread. Could have been an atheist for all I know, or even you know some cult. I have no clue who made my gasoline <laughs> or the clothes, but I mean, there's so many in the military, the protection and uh, you, uh, government. Uh, there's so many people that are skilled in so many areas, not to mention technology. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's crazy. You know, I mean, it's happening so fast and people know what they're doing. I know when I was in the engineer career course in the United States Army for nine months out at Fort Belvoir, can you believe this? There are 700, 200 of us officers, and of course we're dealing with building roads and, and all of the barracks and uh, the sewer systems and, and all of that. And we, had, we were using slide rules. There were no computers. One officer was talking about a computer that was really strange. And they gave us one hour class on kind of like um, uh, software, how to write it. I had no clue what this was all about. We're still using slide rules. And I suppose there's a lot of people in here don't even know what a slide rule is. <laughs> That's how you calculate how many, you know, tons of this and yards of dirt and what have you. I mean, and look what's happened. And all you do is plug into the computer. I would like to have this, and this is what I'd like it to have. And it'll design it for you. It'll do anything for you. And this is far out. But there's people that know how to do these things. And we depend on them, and we don't even know who they are. They're kind of in the back row, so to speak. But man, we're living like kings. They're picking up our garbage. There's the water. There's everything. And we're just, we just don't even think about it. But thank God everybody's doing their part. And really, it's the same way in the body of Christ. We all have a part. And we, and we don't all have to be the president or the prime minister of Canada. <laughs> What's our part? <laughs> you know, if you have 30 million people in Canada, you can't, you can't have 30 million prime ministers. Somebody's got to do the sweeping and <laughs> making the bread. And so here, as we look at God's way now, God, see that, you know, God created everything. The world is just a perversion of what God created. The devil can't create anything. And so here is in the body of Christ, in the church, just look at verse 14 then. For in fact, we read that the body is not one member, but many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? <laughs> of course you're still part of the body. And if um, the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? 
if the whole body were an eye, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> where would the hearing be? Where would the body be? Can you imagine a giant eyeball? <clears throat> Can't even get around. <laughs> it needs a body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Now God has set the members. Now here's important. Now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Okay. For the last couple of years or so, there's a little something, you know, all of us have little somethings that seem to minister to us, right? And this one is the three C's, you know, like Charlie C. And of course, first of all, we don't compare ourselves with anybody. You're setting yourself up for failure to do. Two things can happen. Either pride or inferiority will come or both. And of course, you know, I, I, I can just use myself as a comparison, I suppose. Right now at the place where I am, you know, as the president and founder <laughs> of ASM and overseeing ministers. So there's this thing that if I started comparing myself to other ministers that are traveling and going through and doing what I'm doing, a couple of things. <laughs> Number one, probably if they're just starting, you know, there's a lot of things I could help them with. And then there's other ministers, man, they're way beyond me. And so wherever I go, I have to remind myself, I am not, <laughs> you know, Kenneth Copeland. I used to say I'm not Fred Price and I'm not Kenneth Hagin. <laughs> I'm Jim Caseman and I can only do what God's put inside of me. So I can't compare myself with any other minister. I can't because... There's others that are just absolutely so much better than I am. And then there's others that are just getting started, like I say, and then I have to be careful, you know, that you don't think, man, you know, I'm better than they are. We've got to stop that. No comparison. The foot can't compare himself with the hand. And the eyeball certainly is not the ear. There is nobody like you. <laughs> so don't compare yourself to anybody. Be yourself and enjoy where God has place you all right and I'll tell you it's like what we just talked talk about in the world there's people that you don't even know much about in a congregation or in the body of Christ but if it wouldn't be for them and the way they pray and yield to God or whatever uh, the rest of us wouldn't be where we're at everybody's doing their part God's orchestrating right. this thing and he doesn't need you or me to orchestrate it for him <laughs> He's the one that places us where we are. All right, so then, and as we go on then in this portion of Scripture, just, and if they all were one member, where would the body be? That's what we said earlier. Where would there be a body? If it was just, if everybody was a hand, here it lays. <laughs> we need each other, right? The hand needs the arm. How can you pick your nose if you don't have an arm and an elbow? But now indeed, there are many members but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, that's for sure. And neither can the nose say, I don't need you. You, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather. Those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. You know, things look good out here. You know, you get your hair combed and you get your suit on and everything else, but I'm telling you what. This body here, there are so many members that you can't see. Ugly, bloody members. <laughs> and the skin's holding it all together. And there's members inside of here. If they're not doing their part, there wouldn't be this one standing here. And if you do see them, my body probably dropped dead. You just can't pull them out and look at them. They're in there. 
And I'm so thankful the heart's pumping, <laughs> lungs are working, everything's, you know, working pretty good. <laughs> it has to. All right, now, as we then, he goes on here, you say, uh, and again, no, no, much rather those members of the seen to be weaker and necessary. And those members of the body of which we think to be less honorable, and on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another, and if the members suffer, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it, or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Praise God, and I guess we don't have to say it. You know, it's just if one member in our physical body starts acting up, the whole thing comes down. I just had a, uh, a man that I know very well about two weeks ago. Just out of the blue, you know, uh, it's, uh, he started saying to his wife, I just got this gut ache, this side ache, or whatever. And that went on for a couple of days, and finally they got up that one morning about two weeks ago now, and it, the pain was just, <sighs> and so they went to the doctor, and wouldn't you know it, appendicitis. Yeah. And, you know, that's not good if that ruptures. <laughs> and, of course, they were able to take care of it, outpatient, didn't have to go into the hospital. But, you know, when one member starts acting up, it affects the whole thing. So let's take care of, of the body, whether it's physical or spiritual. All right, so then I said the three C's. Well, we're not to compare ourselves with one another, and obviously the worst thing we can do is compete. There is no competition in the body of Christ. We are, we are what God's made us to be, and we run our course, and we plan on winning. <laughs> in other words, fulfilling what God's called us to do, and I'm a not competition with anybody else. We don't compare ourselves with anybody else and what they're doing. And I don't compete with anybody. Others may seem to be running faster than me right now. That's fine. I know exactly what God's called me to do right now. And I pray and I believe God for the best. Like I pray as his Holy Spirit, I earnestly covet and desire for you to manifest yourself in whatever way you see fit in this meeting this morning in order that all of our needs are met. So I let, let him do what he wants to do. I don't have to compete with anybody. You know, years ago, in the full gospel businessmen's meetings when they were still, <laughs> how many of you remember those days? Full gospel businessmen everywhere. Actually, that's how God launched our ministry in 1976. They, they were, their speaker didn't show up and they asked me to share my testimony and then there was people from other states there and bam, from that point on, uh, we've never had, we've always had more places to go and we've got time to do. But he used full gospel. But you know, I'd get to some full gospel businessmen meetings, you know, and that's where they, uh, you know, you'd come in to speak. They'd get me back in the room somewhere and pray. Oh, God, we pray Brother Kaysen will have a word for everybody like the last minister had. We pray that God, that Brother Kaysen, yeah, oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, and I come out and, uh, to speak, and, you know, they're expecting me to do what the last guy did. And that's when I have to always clear the air, <laughs> you know. Uh, you think that's, I'll tell you what happened. One time I had one privilege, one time, to minister with T.L. Osborne. How many of you know who he is? Yeah, he was the main speaker, and this was in Oslo, Norway. And so I was a daytime workshop speaker teaching on faith. And so uh, this meeting goes from Monday through Friday, or I forget when it ended, but it started Monday night. And guess what? T.L. didn't show up. And the problem is that the believers already had purchased billboards. Come and see the dead raised. 
Right. No problem. No problem. And this was creating a store, a, a real storm in Norway because the state church is the Lutheran church, the separated brethren. And uh, Keol doesn't show up. And guess who they put in his place? <laughs> Me. Oh, Jesus. And I'm not out, of, not out of Bible school that long. I'm still stumbling around. And they put me in front of these, you know, whatever, 10,000 people they had in this auditorium. They all come to see the dead raised. <laughs> and I said, well, folks, you know, obviously, I'm not T.L. Osborne. <laughs> I can only do what God's put in me, you know, and I just went for it and taught. And wouldn't you know, the second night, he didn't show up either. Guess who got his place again? <laughs> I could not compare myself to him or even try to be like him. That would have been a disaster. So I just was myself, and praise God, we had a time, you know, just teaching the word. It's the way God used me those two nights. So just, just, just be yourself. Don't try to be anybody else, and don't compete with anybody. And then thirdly, don't complain. Don't complain where you're at. Enjoy where he's placed you. And life will be good. So don't compare, don't compete, and don't complain. Some people, well, never, we're not going to get into all of that. All right, so, but you know, there's one thing, I think, in North America, I don't know, I guess maybe worldwide, there is a spirit out there, <laughs> I call it the spirit of independence. And really, it's rebellion. You know, I'm going to do it my way. And so, whether, you know, it's, uh, whether it's in the world with people that are not born again, if only they were the president or the prime minister. They know. They got all the problems solved, you know. And they won't submit to anybody. They just do their own thing. Well, that'll mess you up. You know, even in the world, you know, of course, you know, you look at the news here the last year or two. You know, when you have uh, the one, uh, the one uh, soldier of ours, the United States soldier in Afghanistan, that's just decided to get up and walk away from his platoon. Yeah. And he, put the, he endangered the life of the other members. Well, he was just going to do his own thing. Wasn't going to submit. Well, that, 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 it's the, the U.S. Army, is, or the Canadian Army, is no different than God's army. You can mess things up for God if you don't submit and do what he calls you to do. And I've seen, unfortunately, I've seen churches split and marriages ruined and split because of individuals who are going to do it their way and not God's way or even the laws of the land. And it's, it's rebellion. And so you can't have that in the, in the body of Christ for sure. It's, there is no such thing as I'm independent and I don't need anybody else. We already covered that ground. We need each other. You know, we use the example in the world. It's the same with the body of Christ. We need each other. And there's no such thing as you don't need anybody. I'll tell you, you say, oh, if only I was an island, there was no people. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, you'd end up really weird. <laughs> and uh, you'd probably end up looking like a real monkey, too. Uh, God created us so that we are dependent upon him and each other. Very good. Very good. You, you can't do it alone. I think of my spiritual walk with God. I'll tell you something. When I first, you know, age 29, got born again, I was raised in a religious home. That means we went to church unless there was something else to do. Never read the Bible at home, never prayed at home, other than your standard memorized prayers. We were Germans, 
though it was our belief we fall for almond pasta potatoes. And, uh, and the nail, now I lay me down to sleep thing. That was it. My mother never read Bible stories to us or anything. So that when I hit age 29 and got born again, I knew zero about the Bible. Never read it. Didn't know anything. Didn't know all these stories either. And uh, so I'm so thankful that when I got born again, there was always a, a, a minister. I think of the teacher evangelist that I first got introduced to in the charismatic meetings, uh, you know, Brother Bill. Oh, man, I just pulled on him and learned, started learning some real basic things. And then, of course, ended up in a Bible school right here in Canada. Uh, where am I? I'm here, Ontario, over there in Alberta. <laughs> and uh, we were there for a year. That was before Rama started. And then we ended up at Rama, and I'm just soaking it up. I mean, I had people, I, there was just uh, 72 of us that started and 58 graduated the first year. But, the, but I'm telling you, I was in the back row. I, I didn't want them to call on me because I didn't know books of the Bible even. And they had all these smart alecks up in the front row, you know, that knew everything and challenging the teachers. And, you know, they were pastors. They came in, you know, to go to Rama, And I felt totally out of it. But I was so thankful. I listened. I pulled. And uh, if it hadn't have been for all of those people, and the teachers that came in, and, and today, of course, we've got, uh, we've got the, here in your case, you've got the Video Bible School. We all find a place, we're not all the pastors, but one thing for sure about each and every member in the body of Christ, we're all to grow spiritually and become strong in the Lord. We're to know the Bible, we're to be students of, disciples or students of the Word. All of us are, and we all have opportunities. And thank God, this congregation has made the video Bible school available to you. So really, there's no excuse. <laughs> you don't have to quit your job. You don't have to spend money to move to another city or what have you. You get to go through the Bible school, and you're still here when you graduate. It's, it's, uh, it, and that's really awesome. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> all right. So then we need to find people, submit to them, and then learn. And then let, if it's gonna be, God's going to move you around in the body of Christ, let him do it. In other words, you just grow and you get to know the word and thank God where he's placed you. Amen. Now, I, I'm sure it's the same here in Canada as in the U.S. The only news that really makes news is the bad news. <laughs> you, know, you just don't hear the good things like you should. And unfortunately, sometimes in the body of Christ, it's the same thing. Some minister goes crazy and commits adultery, gets drunk or what have you, or cons people out of money, and that's all they talk about. But I want you to know, I travel, I, I work with you know, people all over the world. There's just so many good people in the body of Christ and ministers in the body of Christ that nobody talks about, nobody knows anything about them, and I'm thankful for that. But the negative is always blown out of proportion. That's just more juicy stuff to talk about. And, and here's all these good people. Well, this is a slippery thing you gave me. And there's... <laughs> And there's these good people in the body of Christ, like your pastor, who's trying to do good for me. And uh, <laughs> praise the Lord. I mean, you know, he even offered up this thing. He gave it to me. He didn't keep it for himself. Praise the Lord. That's pretty generous. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so let's just, don't, don't major on the negative. I'll tell you something. In the 40-some years that I've been in the ministry and a believer, I I've lost track I'd have to really sit down and start counting the times of people, preachers, 
who have tried to take over AFCM. I even had a phone call one time and uh, had a regional director in a certain part of the U.S. and he was doing a regional meeting, you know, because I can't be at all of them. And wouldn't you know, one of the members of AFCM slipped out of the meeting. And he called me and he said, I just want you to know that your regional director has started his own ministerial group and he's trying to recruit all of us. That's pretty low. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, he was no longer regional director. And, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I trusted him. I really thought a lot of him. I mean, I really did. Um, he was, and that really hurt. But you can't let that stop you. Man, the devil would want you to meditate on that and not forgive him and destroy you. I wouldn't be standing here today. And there were, if, I had, if I had just, you know, oh, you know, how could they do that to me? How could they look at all the people we like? I've had big ministries in AFCM that managed to get into false doctrine that I had to confront. And by removing them, we took a hit. But I couldn't, I couldn't you know, meditate on that and say, oh, oh how could they do that to me? How, da, 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 you know, whatever. That, it's just life. <laughs> but the big thing is forgive and forget. And if you don't, you're in trouble. You know, even God. Oh, I guess where would that be? Isaiah 43, verse 25. Isaiah 43, 25. Here's God speaking. I, even I, am he who's blotted out your transgressions, and I will not remember your sin. Now, why will God not remember our sin? Because how can, you know... <laughs> Hebrews 10, 19, we to enter the most holy place, the holiest place, boldly by the blood of Jesus. Why? So we can have intimacy with the creator of this universe. How can God have intimacy with us if he's remembering all of our sins? He chooses to forget them so he can have intimacy. Well, then I think I'd better forget. <laughs> I'd better forget being burnt and taken advantage of by different people. If God can forgive, then I better do it. Or I'm going to hinder my intimacy with him. And that's more important to me than all these other things going on. It's not my problem once you forgive. You know, one time I was driving down the interstate, <laughs> and uh, I remember the Lord brought to attention. I, don't, I forget. I think it was five or six people that I had to remove from AFCM. <laughs> Just had to remove them. And this is years later now. And I'm driving down the interstate, and the Lord says, uh, you need to call them. I said, what do you mean? Well, you had to remove them, but you could have done it better. <laughs> so I did. I said, look, I'm, you know, remember? I removed you. I just want to ask you to forgive me because I really didn't handle that properly. And they all did. But the one guy, he says, well, it's about time. <laughs> I, I bit my tongue. I, I, I don't want to do this again. I just bit my tongue. Just, Thank you. <laughs> we all have these things. But you just can't dwell on it. You forgive and you roll on. Now it's their problem. It's not your problem. You got to stay focused because you don't want to hinder your walk with him. Are you with me? All right. So we've all had these things. And so what? You know? You just get up, I've always said to the earth, shake off the dust and take another run for it. <laughs> Amen. All right. Now, I better keep moving. 
So as we go on then, uh, I would, we would go to 1 Peter, and here's a, just talking about leadership and everything. There's God's way and there's the world's way. Now, when you use the word submit to one another, <laughs> I don't know if you're like I am, submit, you know, <laughs> take advantage of me, <laughs> you know. I refuse to submit, you know, all this sort of junk. Well, sure, there's people that take advantage of you in the world and in the church, but here's how it goes when it comes to the body of Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Oh, I'm going to do this out of the Amplified Bible. That's what I'm going to do. So we'll come back here. All right. 1 Peter first chapter 5, verse 1. I warn and counsel the elders among you, the pastors and spiritual guides of the church. As a fellow elder and as an eyewitness called to testify of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a sharer in the glory, the honor, and splendor that is to be revealed, disclosed, and unfolded, here's what we do. Tend, nurture, guide, and fold the flock of God. That is your responsibility. Now listen. Not by coercion or constraint, but willingly not dishonorably motivated by the advantages and profits belonging to the office, but eagerly and cheerfully, not dominating as arrogant, dictatorial, boy, I can't spit that one out, right? And over, in other words, not, uh, not dominating as arrogant as Hitler would, maybe that would be a better way to put it, <laughs> being a dictator, and overbearing persons over those in your charge, but being examples, patterns, and models of Christian living to the flock, the congregation. And then when the chief shepherd is revealed, he will win the conqueror's crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger and of lesser rank, see there is rank in the body of Christ, just like God's army, just like the world's army, be subject to the elders, the ministers, and spiritual guides of the church, giving them due respect and yielding to their counsel. Clothe, apron yourselves, all of you, with humility as the garb of a servant, so that its covering cannot possibly be stripped from you with freedom from pride and arrogance towards one another. For God sets himself against the proud, the insolent, the overbearing, the disdainful, the presumptuous, the boastful, and, the, and he opposes, frustrates, and defeats them, but gives grace, favor, blessing to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves, demote, lower yourselves in your own estimation under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you or promote you. And that, of course, reminds me when I... Uh, was reading right here, uh, that we uh, need to be uh, submit and be uh, servant. Jesus himself, God's son, the son of man. You know, when you look at Matthew 28 and Mark 10, 45, it says the son of man did not come to be served. Well, he's the head of the church, <laughs> but to serve. You know, in his position as high priest, advocate, mediator, and all that, he's also intercessor, and he intercedes for you and me without ceasing. He's serving us. And, of course, we see that, too, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. The Son of Man, uh, there, is one, for, there, is one there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for many. So we need to be willing to serve. <laughs> and... Uh, that's the way it works in God's army. You don't, it's not, uh, you know, being the little dictator, but we need to, as fivefold ministry gifts, apostles, pastors, evangelists, pastors, teachers, we need to make sure that we 
serve the congregation like Jesus has asked us to. We didn't come for the congregation to serve us. We come to serve you. So that's a totally different concept than it is in the world, isn't it? And so, and it's, again, as under-shepherds, I'm an under-shepherd, really, with the congregation of ministers that God's given me. I'm the under-shepherd. And I'm responsible <laughs> for loving that congregation of pastors and helping them every way I can and not taking advantage of them or abusing them. And if I do, I'm going to have to answer to the chief shepherd. And that would not be a good day, would it? All right. I don't know why it's getting so quiet in here, but <laughs> is it time for me to say amen or something? I don't know. All right, so finally then, I, let, we bring, this brings us back then to Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, here we have, again, the pa passage that we're all familiar with. And I already read 8 and 11. And let me just go ahead and continue to read it in verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You know, in Hebrews it tells us we're not to forsake the assembling of one another. And here we just read a, this verse here. I'm telling you there's more false doctrine out there than you can shake your finger at right now. I mean, it's crazy. And unfortunately, it has really taken over a good part of the body of Christ. And I had a man, uh, we were just talking two or three years ago, and he, used to, he worked for Brother Hagin for 20-some years. And he said to me, Jim, do you think this is the great falling away the Bible's talking about? Because there was even what we call word people, word of faith people, that were falling into, sucked into this false doctrine. You know, it's just like, I thought I knew that person. I thought they were word people. What's happening here? It's dangerous out there. But I'll tell you, there's safety in the congregation where you know each other and you're accountable to one another. And where, where if you're starting to act weird, people, we should be, this is family here, the family of God. We should be able to say, hey, are you, is everything really all right? You know, what, what are you talking about? You know, sometimes people hear things on TV or they, were they went to a conference. Now they're bringing all the tapes and books and trying to distribute them to the congregation and it's false doctrine. You know, and we should be able to be confront each other and say, are you all right? Where did you get this? Did, wh wh how, can you tell me in this, can you back it up in the scriptures? Have you tried to find it in your own Bible? Martha Hagen would say, and I'm so thankful for it, he says, you have no business believing what I'm preaching unless you can find it in your own Bible. So I have to, I, and that's what saved me, is trying to find it in my own Bible, and I found out it's not in my Bible, what they're talking about, and yet the masses are going with it. So you're safe. Now, in this case, you're really safe <laughs> because I've known your pastor for so long. Uh, we want to stay with the word. And it's dangerous to wing it out there all by yourself and think right. now all. And, and you know, we've had, I've lost, I don't know how many times I've heard this one. They come back from a conference. They're not in the five-foot ministry gift. They're just out there. They happen to go to a conference and then they come back and tell the pastor, you're not in with what God's doing. You're not in the move of God. Really? <laughs> Stop that. I'll tell you, you need to guard what you've got here. You've got a precious, sweet spirit here. Remember now, this is the bride of Jesus Christ. The body of Christ is the bride of Jesus. 
Jesus is the bridegroom. The local pastor is the under-shepherd, the under-bridegroom. <laughs> and the local congregations are part of the universal bride. And so here is the pastor who is the under the local bridegroom, and then you have the local bride of Jesus Christ. And it's just like when you marry a husband and a wife. You come to a place in the ceremony, woe unto anyone who would cause this marriage to be divided or split. Woe unto you. And I'll tell you, it's the same spiritually. Remember now, this is God's body. We read that in 1 Corinthians 12. Woe unto anyone that would split a congregation. And you know, there's so many people that split a congregation. There's that independent spirit. There's this selfish spirit. I didn't get my way and I'll fix them. Well, you're about to get into trouble with God. You want to fix something, go out into the world, but leave the church alone, okay? You know, we can disagree, but we don't have to get ugly about it. We just sit down and say, okay, now, this is what I believe, and you're saying this, and this is what I heard that other preacher say. Sit down, open up the Bible, and find out what's the truth, and then make the adjustments. I've had to make adjustments in my life. I, haven't know, I still don't know everything. And I still have to make adjustments as I see new, as I read and meditate on the scriptures and what have you. I look at it, oh goodness, I only saw a portion of it. Or <laughs> I didn't see that quite right. I didn't have it in context. And you have to just say, hey, thank you, Lord, for pointing that out. I'll make it right. And if, I, and if need be, many times you publicly have to say, you know, I wasn't quite right on that one or I was wrong. And this is the accurate way. See, we're growing. None of us know everything. But let's communicate with each other and not be afraid to be confronted and then get offended. And maybe I had the head start. <laughs> you know, we were, as most of you know, my testimony, I suppose, um, uh, you know, alcoholic, drugs. And so I was hospitalized at age what? Not, I was just about 25 years old, and which was unheard of in those days for a 25-year-old to be hospitalized for drug addiction and alcoholism. All the other people in, in the institution were old. <laughs> I even had two Catholic priests that were in there with me. And, um, and here's this young kid, 25 years old. So my bottom came up fast. And I'm glad. You know, a lot of people, their bottom doesn't come up till 50 or 60 years old. Then, then you don't have a whole lot of time to make up for it. But I'm so thankful. But you know what we learned? And I'm thankful I was in an AA group. It wasn't Christian. We weren't born again. But we practiced the 12 steps, which basically you can find in the scriptures. But anyway, two couples attached themselves to us. And the treatment center was a, a place where we confronted each other. I mean, they confronted you all the time. And, uh, and we then would confront each other because it was important that we were honest with each other or we could get, end up drinking and get drunk again. So, I mean, I could go and say, I don't like your tie. So what, you know? <laughs> I mean, we were that way. We just confront each other about everything. And so I was used to it before I got born again. <laughs> and so I was disappointed when I got born again because there wasn't any Christians that would be honest with me. It's so difficult to find Christians that'll be honest with me. Or anybody else. We need to be honest. We need to speak honestly with each other. And develop, that's the only way we can develop good, healthy relationships and have strong family. And then you have that protection here. 
uh, you know, uh, that if the devil tries to get in, he can't get in. Amen? We need each other. We need to be honest with each other, communicate with each other. If we're going to grow spiritually and grow in our relationships with each other, because we need to get to know each other. This is family, which I'm sure you're already doing. Aren't you? Amen. See, he said amen. I saw her smile. Oh, you're in it too. Good, man. <laughs> All right. I'm just rehashing things you already know. All right. So we are here. But speaking the truth in love. There we are. We don't have to get ugly about anything. We want to grow. Speaking the truth in love may grow up. Here we are. Grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. That's how you grow. That's how a marriage grows. We were talking about it before the service. I'm so blessed. Uh, if I'd have had my way, you know, back in, you know, testimony, February 64, if I'd have had my way in 64 at age 21, I'd already have been in hell for over 50 years. I was given up for dead for three days as, as a result of alcohol and drugs. Car wreck, hit a bridge, bridge, a bridge abutment as fast as the car would go. So the car ended up in pieces. There was nothing to tow. And I was given up for dead. I already would have been in hell for over 50 years. And the thing is, there's no second chance once you're in hell. And I personally believe the biggest torment in hell is memory. I had a chance to receive Jesus, and I blew him off. And here I am. I think about that. I still think about that mostly every morning when I pray. And then I say, Lord, I'm thankful for your mercy. I was spared what I deserved, and I received what I do not deserve. I, I'm not kidding. This is over 50 years ago, and every morning in prayer, there's hardly a morning I, I miss it. It's every morning I get to this place where I thank God for it. And I said, I received what I do not deserve. I got a wife. I got married later. 13 grandchildren, six, five greats, six coming up any day. And, uh, and the ministry, and, oh, Lord, I don't deserve all of this. Fifty-some extra years. And my destiny's changed from the lake of fire to the heavenly country and the city four square. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. I don't know what that's got to do with the five-fold gift. I was doing something over here. Oh, we were down here. Well, we're in a world. Oh, yeah, finally. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joint and knit together by what every joint supplies. See, every joint, not just some joints or the joints behind the pulpit. <laughs> a lot of people expect every, the pastor to be everything and do everything. I tell you what, it's like a marriage. You don't have a, you can't say, I've been married for 40 years. I am by internet. Oh, give me a break. Thank God for all of the technology and video Bible school, and you can do all everything and see a preacher on TV every Sunday. But I'm telling you what, it still does not replace that human contact. You still do not forsake the assembly of one another without human contact. Like if I didn't have a physical wife <laughs> that I could touch and talk to, I don't have a marriage. But I'll tell you one thing. The, uh, we need each other, and how did I get on marriage now? That's another thing. Your Lord. <laughs> Things are starting to happen. Are you guys responsible for this? Are you trying to mess me up here? <laughs> I'm trying to go slow, and something else is going on here. All right, so, in fact, by which every part, oh, yeah, every part does its share, causes growth of the body. Yeah, it isn't just the pastor. 
He isn't going to make the church successful. It takes a congregation, the family of God, everybody doing their part to make a successful church. To have a successful marriage, it takes two people, not one, to work at it. And Kathleen and I have been together for over 52 years, and we were talking before the service how it really gets better every year. I know my grandchildren look at us, poor old people. Hey, don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> I'm feeling sorry for you. I think you better learn a few things. But at any rate, and we could teach you a few things too. But, you know, they wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe it anyway. But it does really get better. And I'm so thankful for that in Jesus' name. So every part doing its part, the churches will grow, the marriages will grow, families, the family of God, our families, which are part of the family of God. It's all relationships. And thank God that we have leadership. God places them in the body of Christ. We, everyone submits to that one way or the other. And, uh, and all things will work well. Amen? Amen? When you talk about summation, finally thought in the Amplified Bible, in Ephesians 5, 21, in the King James, it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God, and it says in the Amplified, submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ. So if we really reverence Jesus and, and understand <laughs> that this is his body, we're part of his body, and out of reverence and respect for him, we submit to one another in the body of Christ, wherever he places us, and we believe him to show us exactly what we individually have to do to grow and become stronger, not only here at church, but then we take it back home, husbands, wives, children, and grow and really become a really important part of the body of Christ. As you know, the body of Christ isn't just here in this room. <laughs> it's, we take it with us when we go home and everything else. Praise the Lord.